You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays Hawks directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and even into the night. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of ChaseFromTheCouch.com, with you on a Wednesday night. A little disappointing athletically on most fronts. I mean, there was no baseball today. The Blue Jays and Tigers game was rained out. We lost all three sets of volleyball tonight, which is disappointing. I was not at my best in the first set, but I kind of turned it on in the second. I was able to start placing some shots where I wanted, but ultimately we came up just short, which, I mean, it's a rec league, so who cares? But just because there was no baseball today doesn't mean we can't talk about yesterday's baseball because we might as well. It was it was a pretty big baseball day yesterday for the Blue Jays. So we're going to focus on the Philadelphia game in the second half of this podcast. But the headliner, obviously, yesterday was the presumed rising sun that is going to lift the Blue Jays rotation to new heights when he eventually makes his debut for the big club. And you know, I'll know who I'm talking about. That, of course, is Julian Merriweather pitched an inning against the Yankees, gave up a run, but struck out two in his inning. No, I'm I'm joking. It's the guy who pitched just ahead of Julian Merriweather. I mean, I don't know why I do that. Y'all probably have caught on to that by now. I do it a fair bit. But no, Nate Pearson started that game against the Yankees and did exactly what you expect Nate Pearson to do. He struck out Tyler Wade, he struck out Miguel Andujar, and he struck out Mike Toshman very, very easily. I believe it took Pearson just 10 pitches to do that to those three Yankees who played for the Yankees last season. So it's not like it's double A scrubs. Not only that, of the nine strikes that Nate Pearson got on those three men, eight of them were swinging strikes and he threw only one ball. That's that's just baseball sexiness right there. I mean... That's that's the kind of stuff you just picture in your dreams. Just like, uh, if only you can do that for more than an inning. But yeah, it was spectacular. And Mike Wilner, who is going to be appearing on this podcast very soon, potentially tomorrow. He was at the game and he was sitting next to one of the Yankees guys. And the Yankees guys were reading his stuff at 97 99 in that range already. It's February. Pearson's already dancing with triple digits. It's just... Your girl has to take a sec. Just... Just enjoy 
hearing that and and knowing that that's coming for the Blue Jays because you know before this current wave with Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and and Kevin Biggio, there's never really been those guys who you get this excited about for the Blue Jays. And when you do get excited, they let you down so hard. Travis Schneider, J.P. Aaron Sebia, basically any pitcher from the 2010s. Let's face it. A lot, lot of disappointment. But again, starting with that young core that came up this year and now watching a guy like Pearson, knowing he is going to be able to do that for the Blue Jays. And and that he's not the only one with guys like Alec Manoa and Adam Klaffenstein and and you know, even even the lower guys like Patrick Murphy, knowing that there's that much talent, Simeon's Woods Richardson, that much talent on the horizon, it's just so tantalizing. Like you can feel the anticipation of seeing these guys and and seeing a guy like Nate Pearson work like that. It just gives you so much hope for the Blue Jays going forward. And again, just it was it was all all kinds of beautiful. I we we don't only want to talk about Nate Pearson, though. It can't be in a Nate Pearson show as much as I could just sit here gushing about Nate Pearson and just waiting to see him do that to the Yankees in a regular season game. There are a couple other performances I want to highlight. For the batters, there wasn't much going on in that Yankees game, obviously with only the one run. Vladdy got his first hit of the spring. That's a plus. And then Santiago Espinal had the only offense with a solo home run in the sixth. And that's an interesting wrinkle. Espinal three for four so far in spring. So I I said before spring training started that Espinal was going to be in Buffalo no matter what. But if he can start forcing the issue a little bit, that puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Brandon Drury to prove that he can be someone who can at least perform at Espinal's level because if he's just blocking the young guy then there's no reason for him to be there and certain Blue Jays fans will argue there's no reason for Brandon Drury to be here anyway but you know he's under contract he doesn't have options Espinal does so it makes more sense for Espinal to get regular at bats at Buffalo as opposed to taking Brandon Drury's backup spot which he might lose anyway to Joe Panic. you don't know but just a good start to the spring for Espinal. And one other pitcher I did want to highlight in that game who was impressive, at least for me, was Yancy Diaz going the two innings he did, not allowing a hit, not allowing a walk, striking out three. And like the Yankees left their guys in. He did strike out Andahar. So Diaz is showing that kind of bounce back that he needed given his very short, disastrous time in MLB last season. And and yeah, making the jump from New Hampshire, it usually proves disastrous. Just ask Matt Boyd. But seeing Diaz come out with that kind of renewed purpose, 
goes a long way to reasserting himself as a guy who could potentially be called upon later in the season in that sort of relief role. Because we've been talking about how the Blue Jays need to start figuring out which of these starters are going to be starters and which ones are going to start transitioning to the bullpen. And if they can see a guy like Diaz coming in in the fifth, sixth inning and being able to deal like this and being able to get big leaguers out, that goes a long way to securing his 40-man roster spot because if you look at that roster, if it's not a guy like Wilmer Font or or not a guy like Jordan Romano, it's going to be those guys who were added to the 40-man but haven't shown enough at the major league level who are going to be at risk to be replaced by guys like A.J. Cole or Justin Miller if they get brought onto the roster. So for Diaz to come out the way he has with a strong performance so far in the spring, that will go a long way to reasserting himself as a pitcher who can be thought of as a part of the Blue Jays' future. So it was very nice to see that from Diaz. So... That's the Yankees game. It was a loss, but we talked about it. We got through it. Nee Pearson helped. So let's talk about a more glorious Blue Jays game right after this break. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So... As we said, spent the first half talking about the Yankees. Now we get to talk about the slugfest against the Phillies. They're, they're cross-the-bay rivals in Clearwater. And Toronto smashed them 13-6. to Which, you can argue that if Jake Patrichka doesn't come out and do Jake Patrichka things, it's way more lopsided. It would have been 13-2 without Patrichka just, you know, laying another egg. It's not looking good for Jake. He's going to be in Buffalo for sure. I hope he enjoys wings. He can't be giving up home runs to random Phillies. But, you know, the pitching wasn't really the story in that game. Obviously, it was nice to see Chase Anderson get out there, get some work. It was nice to see TJ Zoic get some work and deliver a couple scoreless innings. Because while Zoik's not really getting mentioned in that rotation conversation, he's going to be very important in Buffalo. He's going to need to continue his growth just in case he does get called upon because it's the Blue Jays. So they will probably have at least three injuries to the rotation by the time May rolls around. So good to see him get off to a good start there. Um, Brian Moran is looking... Surprisingly effective, given he has an 84-mile-an-hour fastball to work with. I don't know. I may have to start giving him more credit. But, again, it was about the hitting. You put up 13 runs on the Phillies, especially when, you know, they're throwing out Jake Arrieta to start. And you have Rowdy Telez just going out there and continuing to show he is not going to make it just just an easy claim for Travis Shaw to get that first baseman spot. We talked about him earlier this week, but Telez had another big game, went two for three, had that big three-run home run off Arietta, had another RBI. He's batting 571 for the spring so far. 
And again, we talked about how he seems to be coming into the season with a, a stronger mentality. One of, of a guy who is really taking it seriously as opposed to just relying on his natural talents. You know, kind of like certain other Toronto athletes have been doing the entire season. Uh, Rowdy Teles has, has shown just how how much he wants it so far with the workout regimen that he put in in the offseason. It's, it's paid dividends already. He looks leaner. He looks more like a guy who might last 12 seasons at the major league level as opposed to just hitting 50 home runs one year and then petering out. So watching him continue to sustain that success, again, it's early. It's still February. But if Tellez can show this is a sustainable thing, that he can regularly get on base, that he can, you know, work pitchers as skilled as Arietta, even if they're shaking off the rest, Jake Arietta's still a good pitcher. If he can continue to work them and be productive, that again, will go a long way to securing his spot long-term in this Blue Jays team, as opposed to being easy designation fodder. So it was nice to see that. It was nice to see home runs in general, really, because the Blue Jays hadn't hit any the first three games. So Telez was one of four. Kevin Smith went yard off of Anthony Swarzak. Billy McKinney went yard off of Anthony Swarzak. So just a, a bad day for for their boy Anthony there. And then Reggie Pruitt in the ninth inning took Addison Russ deep. And, and when I saw that he took Russ deep, I had to double check, just make sure that the Phillies didn't sign Russell Martin to like a, a pseudonym contract or something. Just that, that did not seem real. That, that you would have that guy in there. And that was a bad inning for the Phillies. They got rocked for five runs in the ninth. Some of the uh, some of these scrub Blue Jays getting in there doing some damage. So, again, that that was fun seeing that kind of offensive explosion and, and seeing it from guys who who needed performances like that. Billy McKinney with a three for four day needed a performance like that. Like Bo Bichette went over three. He he doesn't need that. He's set in stone. He don't care. You want to see these guys who know that they're fighting for positions actually get out there and show some effort and show some heart and show some results. And so far, the Blue Jays are getting that. And when you have those guys doing that, they will carry that into the season because they now know what form is successful for them. So you're you're not just throwing guys out there because you have to. You're throwing guys out there because they earned the right to be out there. And the past couple years, Blue Jays have not been able to force that. So seeing a guy like Billy McKinney hit, seeing a guy like Rowdy Telez do some damage, that is going to go a long way to determining how good this Blue Jays team is going to be. It's it's going to rely on, on sustained growth from their young guys, but it's also going to be these these fringe guys taking that step forward and, and wanting to be major league players so 
I'm actually pretty happy with what I've seen so far. We're reaching the weak point of spring training. And so far, you know, I, I'm happy with what I'm seeing from the Blue Jays. I'm seeing some fight. Um, obviously, tomorrow, Hyunjin Ryu is scheduled to pitch since he didn't really get to today because of the rainout. But, you know, it's it's just a strong start. And that's what this team needs. A strong start to to show that September is not a blip. September is more reality than April and May and June were for this team last year. So that will bring us to the end of today's episode. Just a reminder, if you want to argue with me on anything you've heard on this podcast, or just want to say I'm a brilliant woman, then either way, I accept all of them. You can do so on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. Subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you get podcasts, make sure you click that subscribe link so you don't miss an episode and submit a review. Um, Hopefully five stars to counter out the transphobes. So, you know, do you. Whatever you want to do. And follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Locked on Jays. Again, uh, hoping to have Mike Wilner on tomorrow and hoping to book another Blue Jays related guest for, I believe, sometime next week. So even if you don't like me, stay tuned on Locked on Jays and we will have other people on who you may be more favorable to. But until then, for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I'm E.G. Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to tonight's episode. And you all take care. <laughs>